0: next couple weeks I want to talk about I want to talk about dreams and I want to talk in particular about being a dreamer because being a dreamer um, it, it really is being a person who yes experiences those victories but the reality is in being a dreamer you also have to learn how to uh, walk through seasons where questions are not answered sometimes um, where things are not going your way where the ball bounces the wrong direction and sometimes, you get penalties calling you that you don't think are the right penalties. And sometimes um, the weather doesn't cooperate and life doesn't cooperate. And sometimes other people get in the way and a teammate misses a kick that they've made a hundred times and yet it affects you, right? I mean, we've all, we've all been there and we've all experienced that. Um, having a dream, being a dreamer, seeing it come into a reality can be absolutely glorious, but it can be, it can be gut-wrenching as well. It can be challenging um, when you when you dream a dream and it doesn't seem like that dream is ever coming to pass so over the next couple of weeks we're going to look at we're going to look at the story of a man um, named Joseph it's a very familiar story in, Bible, in the Bible quite, uh, Joseph's quite famous uh, because of what went on in his life and how God used him literally to save Israel uh, and to set up God's people for all that God would have for them in the future. And so uh, many of us are familiar with the story of Joseph. And so for some of us, perhaps we're not going to hear a story that we've never heard before, but um, in examining it and allowing the Holy Spirit to take a little bit of time with us, my hope is that perhaps for many of us, uh, we can receive some insights on what it is really to have a dream, what it is to live out that dream, what it is to allow God to bring to pass things in our life that are bigger than us, and that are beyond us. Uh, we're going to learn in this series that the journey from dream formation to dream fulfillment is one of transformation. Let me say that again. The journey from dream formation to dream fulfillment is one of transformation. Really, that's going to be, as we move throughout this series, that's what we're going to learn. We're going to, we're going to wrestle with questions like like, why isn't this happening or why is it happening so slowly or why, why did God promise me this and yet this is my experience. We're gonna, we're gonna wrestle with, with questions like how do I deal with my disappointment and how do I deal with delay. We're gonna talk about how we navigate the process of transformation that we're in to become the kind of people who have the capacity to live out the dreams that God has placed within our heart because really that's that's what it boils down to is that God places dreams within our heart and then we go through a process of building capacity in our lives to be the person who can live out or who can Fulfill that dream. And many of us struggle with being a dreamer because we don't understand that we're in process. Somehow we're under the impression that I'm going to have a dream one day and then it's going to come up to pass the next day and that it's always supposed to be that way. And yet scripture seems to show a pattern to us in which it's rarely that way. In fact, the pattern that we see in scripture is oftentimes, oftentimes there's a dream and then there's a delay and there's a process that leads to the fulfillment of that dream. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 37. Let me read verses three through five to you. It says this. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated him all the more so again some of you may be very familiar with with Joseph and the story of Joseph but some of us this morning may uh, may not be completely familiar with Joseph or trying to kind of place who is this Joseph guy and what is this story all about so I just want to kind of bring you up to speed with who Joseph is and, and uh, what the context of this particular passage, uh, what the context of this particular story that we're going to be learning from over the next several weeks. Joseph, uh, if you could describe his life, uh, the way you would describe his life is that Joseph's life was a lot like a soap opera. I mean, you take, all of, you take all of the extremes of a soap opera, and that would have been Joseph's life. And the, the thing about soap operas uh, is that soap operas seem to be multi-generational, do they not? Like, it's just like one, one parent passes it on to the next generation and the next generation. And that was exactly the case with Joseph. I mean, Joseph's dad, Joseph's father... Uh, lived in a dysfunctional home. Uh, there were fav- there was favoritism in his home. There was deception in his home. And Joseph's dad, in particular, participated in that deception so that he could rob his brother of his birthright and his blessing. His mother conspired with him. This is this is Joseph's grandmother conspired with her her her, her his father to steal the birthright and blessing. That happened, and then of course. Joseph following uh, Joseph's father, following in the footsteps. You just go on and on and on. All of these just levels of deception, all of these levels of manipulation, all of this gossip, all of this anger, all of this bitterness and jealousy. And it just swirled around and around and around in this family. Joseph, in particular, uh, is interesting because um, Joseph, Joseph is the, uh, had uh, his mother's name was Rachel. Rachel had two children, Joseph and Benjamin. Now, get this: Joseph's dad, um, he was—he remember—he was running away from his uh, brother, his twin brother, that he had uh, tried to steal the blessing from. And as a result, he went and worked in his uncle's house. His uncle's name is Laban. Laban uh, decided. Uh, hey, I here's here's this guy. He's gonna come and he's gonna work for me. Uh, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna deceive him. And so when Joseph's father comes into Laban's house, he sees Rachel the first time and falls in love with her and says, "I want to marry her." It's weird. He's marrying his cousin. Uh, that's <laughs> it's weird, right? Uh, so. Laban says, that's fine, work for seven years, and then you can have her as your wife. And so he worked for seven years, and after, after seven years, after seven years of working uh, for her, uh, Laban tricks him into marrying the older sister. Imagine that. How does that work? I don't know. But he doesn't discover it till the next morning. It's weird. A lot about this I don't understand. (laughs) Well, then he goes to Laban and he says, look, I I don't understand. You deceived me. And Laban said, yeah, uh, the older sister, she should probably have gotten married first. So it's okay. Just work for me another seven more years and then you can have Rachel. And so that's what he did. He ended up working for another seven years and had Rachel. So then Rachel becomes his wife. Uh, He also has Leah as his wife. Leah starts popping those babies out. Rachel, on the other hand, is barren, can't have children, cries out to the Lord many, many years, can't have children. Finally, 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 she has Joseph and she has Benjamin. And tragically, uh, in somehow the childbirth process of Benjamin, shortly after giving birth to Benjamin, she dies. So her life is marked with a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow. And this is, so this is Joseph's context, right? Joseph is the favorite son from the favorite wife he's born into this family and he didn't choose this he didn't choose what family he was born into we don't choose what family we're born into somebody say like I can't mom is sitting right next to me I can't say amen we can't we can't choose. we can't choose our context right as a dreamer, you need to understand you can't always choose your context. He was born into this family, and um, he was the favored son of the favored wife. And uh, the Bible says that his brothers can tell that he is born that he is the favorite, and that they they hate him as a result of it. Looking at his life from what um, we can see, uh, here's a guy who was born into a scenario in which there was tremendous there was tremendous potential there was tremendous prom- promise, but there was also tremendous problems and these were problems that Joseph hadn't chosen. As we see his life begin to unfold and when we're first introduced to him in chapter 37, uh, what we find out about him is actually it's actually quite, It's quite challenging because when we first read about Joseph, when you start the chapter, find out is that his father loved him very much and um, his father gave him this coat. Uh, It's often called the coat of many colors. When you study it, historically, what you find out is that this particular coat uh, meant a couple of things. It meant very clearly, this is the favored son. This is the son who's going to, going to receive the inheritance. This is the son who's going to receive the birthright. Now, think about it. His dad, his dad is operating out of his own brokenness and hurt. And where it was ambiguous in his dad's life and his dad participated in deception, his dad overreacted to that and said, I want it to be clear to my sons who's getting everything. And so he put the coat of many colors on Joseph. There's, that's a whole nother sermon. Uh, that's a whole second level thing that you might just wanna write yourself a note because oftentimes we, we end up parenting out of our brokenness and overreacting to things that went wrong in our lives and end up doing more destruction in the lives of our kids. That's free. That's not even in my notes. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened to Joseph. His dad overreacted to what had burned and broken him. And so as a result, he perpetuated the burned and brokenness into the life of his kid. Nobody's writing it down, but I really think you should. So Joseph, Joseph is born into this environment, but then notice, as you read in chapter 37, what our first introduction to Joseph is that, is that Joseph, um, Joseph, the Bible says, his father sends him to go check on his brother's to go find out what's going on. Because this coat of many colors, not only, not only does the coat of many colors mean that this is the one who's gonna be blessed, but from, if you study and understand it historically, it would have been a lone coat. It would have come all the way down to his wrists. It would have come all the way down to his ankles. And it indicated very clearly that this guy's in charge. He doesn't do any physical work. He is a fancy pants. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. He is, he is not going to get his hands dirty. And oh, by the way, everybody else needs to know he's not going to get his hands dirty. He's here to see what's going on and make sure everybody else is doing what they're supposed to be doing. That was what was very clear about the Code of Many Color. And when we see in the very beginning of the story, when we're first introduced to Joseph, the first thing that we read about Joseph, get this, is that his father sent him to check on his brother's his half-brothers, and when he goes and checks on them, he comes back and he tells his dad how bad of a job they're doing. I'm sure that's gonna go well. It really, is a, it is a foreshadowing and a picture and an indication of the relational dynamics that was going on. It's interesting because obviously part of it, Joseph had, didn't have anything to do with. His father, his father put that coat on him. His father was perpetuating a favoritism his father was perpetuating family drama. His father was perpetuating angst in the home, and then we see Joseph, we see Joseph participating in what was going on, and apparently lacking the capacity to understand how his behavior and what he did was going to come across to those around him. Because the Bible says that he told on his brothers and his brothers hated him. And then he was so clear on what was going on that then he has a dream and he says, oh, these guys love me so much, let me just tell them my dream. <laughs> and we see Joseph have this dream and he shares this dream and then there's this, there's this process that takes place in his life that's full of pain and heartache and questions. And if you, if you read If you read the story, if you read your Bible, you'll have to take time to wrestle with this reality of why did Joseph have to go through this? Why did Joseph endure the pit? Why did he endure Potiphar's house? Why did he endure prison? Why did he have to endure all of these things? And there's this process that God takes him through from the inception of that dream to the dream becoming a reality in his life. And one of the first things I want you to see this morning is that, listen, there is, there is, often, there is often a gap between when you receive a dream and when you see that dream accomplished in your life. You've got to understand that. In Joseph's case, we know it was at least 20 years between when he saw, when he had the dream, and when the dream became a reality or began to be lived out in his life. Imagine that, at least 20 years. And it wasn't just 20 years of like sitting around and waiting, it was 20 years of pain, it was 20 years of hardship, it was 20 years of. of things being transformed and reformed in his life it was a process that god was taking him through from what we can tell in joseph's life there was 20 years of him being taken to places that he wouldn't have possibly understood but the interesting thing about joseph's life is in spite of what we got in spite of what we went through what he went through we never saw joseph we never saw joseph publicly deny god Joseph never turned his back on God. Joseph never quit. Just let that sink in for a minute. In 20 years of delay, Joseph never quit. In being thrown into the pit, Joseph never quit. In being betrayed by his family, Joseph never quit. In being falsely accused in Potiphar's house... Joseph never quit. In being thrown in prison, Joseph never quit. In being forgotten, even though he had helped people, Joseph never quit. The remarkable part of Joseph's story is that Joseph never quit. He just stayed in the process as God moved him from one place to another place to another place. See, that space between dream and dream fulfilled is often more about aligning you than anything else. Pastor Randy, why why am I going through this? God gave me a dream and I was going to be doing this or this was supposed to happen in my life. Is it possible? I just want you to wrestle with this question. Is it possible that the process you are in is about God aligning you God aligning you with that dream that he gave you. What, do you. what do you mean by that? Well, let's consider for a second. The dream that God gave Joseph was a dream in which he was going to rule, he was going to lead his family. However, very clearly from Genesis chapter 37, when he receives the dream at 17 years old, this person doesn't have the capacity to lead his family. He doesn't have the nuance or the wisdom to understand, yeah, I'm 17 and daddy's given me the multicolor psychedelic coat and told everybody I'm in charge. But my older brothers who are a little bit bitter Because they're the ugly wife's kids. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) Or they're the kids of slaves. They'll never be enough. They'll never measure up. They got their own stuff going on. At 17, he wasn't wise enough to understand everything yet. So at 17 when he got the dream if he would have been put in charge it would have been a disaster because he wasn't ready yet right God God gave him a dream and then and then God allowed him to go through a process where he could become the kind of man who could fulfill that dream And many of us don't understand the same is true in our lives God speaks things to us God brings revelation to us God gives us dreams he gives us hope And then he takes us through a process of developing those things. And here's the problem, is that many of us, instead of cooperating with the process of transformation in our lives, we fight against the process. We fight against the process, we reject the development, we reject the wisdom, we reject the transformation. We reject the process and therefore we increase the delay or we move away from the things that God has called for us and then we point our finger and we wag our tongue at God, which is what Joseph didn't do. Joseph just stayed faithful to God in the process as God was transforming him and changing him from being a 17-year-old who didn't know when to keep his mouth shut to being a 17-year-old who could hold a grown man who could hold his peace who could be wise enough to know how to talk to a pharaoh at the same time, also wise enough to know how to talk to a slave. Wise enough to know how to navigate the politics of an empire while also wise enough to know how to navigate the politics of a broken family and bring reconciliation. Are you with me? God was increasing capacity in him in a season that doesn't make sense to me and doesn't make sense to you. And I imagine didn't make a lot of sense to Joseph. And yet that was the process that God had him in. And Joseph's role in the process was to just keep trusting God. If you're going to be a dreamer, if you're going to be a dreamer who lives out the dreams that God has called you and I to live out, then we have to be the kind of people who stay committed to the process and faithful to God regardless of the circumstance and allows the Holy Spirit to do in us whatever he needs to do in us to transform us to be the people that God has called us to be. Is it possible that what God is calling you to is bigger than who you are right now? Is it possible that what God has called you to is beyond your capacity at the moment and and so perhaps God is moving you into a season of building capacity in your life? Why are we in such a hurry? Joseph was not ready to be ruler. He did not have the wisdom. He did not have the finesse that it would take to lead in the place that God had called him to lead. You see, when you're a dreamer, when God has given you a dream, you have to learn to embrace your advantages without embittering those around you. You have to learn to embrace your advantages without embittering those around you. Several weeks ago, we were talking about uh, getting undignified and we were talking about pride and we were talking about humility The thing about being a dreamer is God gives you dreams, and then he gives you gifts related to those dreams. But if you don't know how to navigate those gifts, what you do is you end up making people around you embittered. Should Joseph's brothers have been jealous? No. Were they wrong? Yes. Did Joseph's dad mess up? Probably so. Should Joseph should Joseph have been dealt the cards that he was dealt? No, but he was dealt those cards. And so therefore he had to learn. He had to learn how to live with favor. He had to learn how to live with blessing without making everybody around him bitter. Christians love to talk about blessings and being blessed. Have you, ever, have you ever really looked at Scripture? Like a lot of the things that we call blessing and blessed, number one, it's materialism and idol worship, but number two, um, a lot of times we don't understand the price that has been paid by those who actually know how to navigate with and lived out those blessings. See, Joseph was going to be given, literally given, the power, the capacity, the resources to run the known world at that time. Pharaoh was going to say, Joseph, basically, I'm going to chill and you're going to take care of everything. He was going to have all of the military and financial might and power at his disposal more than anyone could ever imagine. God had to prepare him for that, and if he couldn't handle a rainbow coat without making people around him mad and act stupid, how in the world was he going to handle the wealth of the world? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Every one of you in this room, as children of God, you have a coat of many colors, you have gifts that God has given you. You have capacity that God has naturally given you that it's simply a gift. And you and I have to start where we are right now, navigating and managing the gifts that we have if we expect God to increase those gifts so that we can live out our dreams. And many of us are not navigating the moment that we're in relationally, we're not navigating the moment that we're in with the gifts and talents, capacities and abilities that God has given us. We're not doing it in our families. We're not doing it socially. We're not doing it in our own personal economics. And so, and so it's incredible to me that we think God is going to multiply and increase us when we're not handling well what he's given us right now. When we don't know how to walk around with the coat of many colors, and it was his. He couldn't take it off. He couldn't say, Dad, I'm not... No, it was his. He had to learn how, how do I wear this coat of many colors and put at ease those around me? How do I talk to people in such a way that I don't embitter them? How do I do my job because his job was to go and to check on his brothers? How, did he, how do you do that job without embittering his brothers? And it'd be very easy to say, no, 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 that's all his brother's fault. It's all his brother's fault. And you know what? The people who who just say everything is always somebody else's fault are the people who never live out their dreams. I can't change other people, but I can take responsibility for the part I play in how other people experience the world. I can't change another person's heart. I can't change another person's perspective, but I can, pl- I can change the way that I react and the way that I interact with people, and I can take responsibility for that and understand, least of all, at the very least, understand, your gift threatens people. There may be a few of us sitting here today, and we're like, oh, I know I don't have any gifts. I don't have any, I don't have any talents. I don't have any abilities. Well, number one, that's nonsense. Every one of us have gifts, talents, and abilities. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you. And number two, you have to understand, you have to be mature enough to understand that every single one of us have something unique and special and some gifting that God has given us. And oh, by the way, with all of that negative self-talk, how would you feel if you created a masterpiece And all that masterpiece ever did was talk about its flaws. And your father in heaven created you in his image. And he loves you so much. And he created you in your beauty and he created you with your gifts and he created you with your capacity and he loves you and you're the apple of his eye. And when he sees you, he delights in you. So how do I do that? How do I live with other people? How do I develop the humility that is necessary to embrace the coat, but not to threaten others with it? See, that was what was necessary For Joseph to grow into So that he could live out his dreams Do you understand the things that God has given you The dreams that he's given you Are things that you and I must grow into Because they are nuanced They are not black and white It's not easy to know How to be second in charge Of all of the world And have all of the wealth of the world At your disposal And the capacity to keep the entire known world At that time from starving to death It's not easy easy to know how to navigate all of that. Joseph had to be trained how to wear that coat. You and I have to be trained to learn how to live with capacity, and that especially starts with how we interact with other people. Dreamers must commit themselves to awareness interesting when you think about it a dream a dream is an act of awareness awareness comes to you it comes to you about something in your life right in the future when you when we talk about i have a dream or i'm going to live out a dream you you receive this this prophetic thing you receive this awareness about the future and you lean into that awareness right well the thing about being a dreamer is that Dreamers receive that initial awareness, but what they have to do is to stay in the process of God creating greater awareness in their lives. In other words, you may have this picture of the future, but you don't fully understand it. So, for instance, if you look at both of Joseph's dreams, in particular his second dream... Uh, it's about the sun and the moon bowing down to him. And then, of course, the father, when his father responds to him and says, does that mean your mother and I are going to bow down to you? What we later find out is that his mother died, and so his mother never physically bowed down to him, right? But if you were interpreting that dream in that moment in that season of his life with that level of awareness, you would have interpreted it that way. Oftentimes, the problem with dreams is that we fill in the blanks with dreams. God gives us a dream, and then we start filling in the blanks based on our context. God gives us a dream, and we say, oh, that means this and this and this and this in my life. And I don't know how many times we say God said stuff that he didn't say. We say God promised us things that he didn't promise us. He gave us a dream, he gave us a vision, and we filled in the blanks. Am I the only one that's ever filled in the blanks for Jesus? But the thing about a dreamer is is that a dreamer increases awareness in their life. And as a dreamer increases awareness, a dreamer learns to distinguish between what God has said and what God has not said. A dreamer learns to speak for God, and he also learns to be quiet when God hasn't spoken. A dreamer understands and distinguishes the different things that come into their lives. The problem with Joseph is that Joseph clearly clearly had no self-awareness when he was 17 years old. He clearly was not aware of the fact that his coat of many colors and his high position that his father had given him and the way his father treated him was making his brothers so jealous and so angry. If he would have known or understood what was going on, there's no way when he had his dream, his first dream, that he would have told his brothers. And then it was very clear to him, or it was very clear in reading Scripture that his brothers hated him before he had the dream, hated him after the first dream, and then hated him even more after the third dream. And yet this guy just keeps telling them. Why? Because he doesn't have a clue. He can't read the room. I want to help you today because I love you. Learn to read the room. Learn to to read the room reading the room is not based on assumptions reading the room does not mean fill in the blanks for everybody else in the room reading the room means that i come to understand the other people in the room well enough to put myself in their position to recognize my mama was the pretty mama and their mama was the less attractive mama and maybe, just maybe, that's going to make them feel some kind of way toward me and so perhaps I should adjust the way that I speak to them and about them because they already have a chip on their shoulder. Perhaps I recognize they've been through some things that I, don't, I haven't gone through. They're hurting in ways that I'm not hurting. They're struggling with difficulty that I'm not struggling with. And so I'm gonna be considerate of who they are. Reading the room it's not about making assumptions. Reading the room is about being considerate. Oh my goodness. I'm just going to sit down. I, I really, I love you so much and I want to help you. If you want to achieve what God has called you to achieve, if you want to lead at any level at all, if you want to bring change into the world, you have to learn to be considerate. You have to. To learn to be considerate. Oh, well, that just sounds like a great idea that you're making up, Pastor Andy. No, actually, I'm not making it up. Um, I'm actually basing it on a man named Jesus that Scripture says that allowed himself to be tempted in every single way that you were tempted. Scripture says, stepped out of heaven, came and allowed himself to experience the pain and the heartache and the brokenness of human emotion, the confluence, the difficulties, the challenges of what it means to struggle as human beings. He came and experienced that so that he could be considerate of you and of me. Jesus himself, God, thought it not a waste to put himself in the shoes of those he loved and he cared about. How much more, how much more should those of us who are not God, how much more should those of us who aspire to live out the dreams that, that God has given us to represent him on the earth in whatever way that looks like in your love? how much more should we be committed to Not living by assumption, but instead being considerate of the implications of our choices, our decisions, our behaviors, our blessings, our coat. I fear that oftentimes, as a dreamer, I'm so caught up in my own pursuit of what I want or what I need or what I think I deserve that I am incapable of stopping and considering how what I'm doing affects other people and I would submit to you today that if the dream that you have is from the Lord blow your mind for a second if the dream you have is actually from the Lord it's not about you after all. It's not for your glory. It's not for your kingdom. It's for his and because it's not about you and because it's his for his glory and it's for his kingdom it's going to be others oriented. Joseph Joseph's dream when he was 17 looked like everybody comes and bows down to me. His reality as a grown man was that in his brokenness He longed for the embrace for the inclusion for the care of those that at 17 he thought the greatest thing was to dominate you and I must commit ourselves to growing in awareness the things that God gives us in our lives are not Tools that he gives us for awareness, they're not there just so we can move through them and make excuses for ourselves. Tools and tests that create self-awareness exist to clarify paths of growth, not to propagate shade trees of excuse-making in our lives. Oh, I took this personality test. I'm a D-type personality. This just means everybody has to just accept this. No. You took a personality test so that you could learn that about yourself so that you could grow. You took that spiritual gift inventory, not so that everybody could fluff your colorful coat for you, but you took it so that you would understand your strengths, but then also recognize your weaknesses and allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform you and grow you in that area. It's not a license to sin. It's not a license to be inconsiderate. It's not a license to be lazy. It's an opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, this is where I need to go. This is where I need to grow. Here's the thing, and this is the last point I'm gonna make today, that I feel like we see from Genesis 37. Whether you agree with it or not, and no matter how unfair it seems. Joseph, and we're going to talk about it a lot over the next few days, he went through a lot. A lot of abuse. But dreamer, you cannot escape the reality that you teach people what to expect from you and how to treat you. Being a dreamer Being being gifted, being graced by God doesn't exempt you and I from the responsibility that we set the boundaries in our life. Joseph was a tattletale on his brothers. He was inconsiderate of how his place and his position was affecting them. He had taught them. He had taught them to hate him and they hated him and they hated him more and when he came a second time to see how they were doing it's when he was thrown in a pit he had taught them how to treat him and I want to be super careful with this and I want you to hear me very very clearly this morning abuse is never right right When when people treat us harshly, there's never an excuse for that. Please understand what I'm saying. However, what we have learned by studying people who have been subjected to abuse and have stayed in that abuse even when given the opportunity to to move out of that abuse is that unfortunately, unfortunately, patterns are developed in their life in which as hard and twisted as this is to understand this weird codependency is created in which over time abuse victims treat, they teach their abusers it's okay you can do this and I'll put up with it I'll come back Please understand, I'm speaking about something in generalities. If, if you're dealing with or if you've ever been abused, please hear my heart today. I'm speaking in generalities. I know every situation is, is different. I just want to challenge you by the Spirit this morning to be reflective enough to recognize and understand that even in the most extreme cases like abuse... But for most of us, just in our everyday lives, we are teaching people how to treat us. We're teaching people how to respond to us. We're teaching people they can't trust us. We're teaching people they can't trust our name in their mouths because they know we'll gossip about them. We're teaching people that we're prideful and that we're arrogant and that we think we're better than them because we choose ourselves over them. We teach people that we're not trustworthy because we never show up on time. We teach people that we talk about big dreams, but we don't deliver because we make promises that we never honor. We teach people, hello? We set the course of our life by teaching people who we are. And what had to change for Joseph is that, he had to literally transform into a different person so that his brothers could receive from him he had to be a different man at 30, 38, 39, 40, 42 years old so they could receive at him than he was at 17 because what he had taught them at 17 was this isn't a person that we can trust and right or wrong they lashed out at him and the question I just want to ask you to let the Holy Spirit ask you this morning is what, what are the behaviors and the patterns of your life teaching the people around you right now? Is it teaching them to take seriously the dreams that you're sharing? Or is it teaching them, ah, uh, they're just talking, they're just making noise. Is it is it teaching them that this is a person who lives out their commitments and promises, or is it teaching them this is a promise, this is a this is a person who has a problem honoring their word? What is it teaching them? Is it teaching them this is a person to be threatened by, or is it teaching them this is a person who obviously God's hand is on their life, but obviously they're not self-absorbed? What is what is it teaching them? Psalms chapter 86, verse 15 says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. What I'm so grateful for today is that even as a 17 year old, Joseph clearly wasn't ready. Yet God was compassionate and loving And kind and patient. And I'm grateful for the Lord's patience with me. And I want to encourage you today. God is patient with you.